0: You're listening to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. I'm glad you're hanging out with us because each week I invite a guest onto the show to talk about a topic that's meant to be a catalyst for growth in our lives, to spark ideas, get unstuck and gain new insights that compel us to action as we journey together to play full out and live fully into who we were created to be. Hey, thanks for rating this podcast. Thanks for commenting. I love hearing how God is working in your lives as you tune in and thanks for sharing this podcast with others. Well, on today's show, I've invited well-known author teacher, and speaker, Nancy DeMoss-Walgamuth, to talk about the newly released, updated, and expanded book, Lies Women Believe in the Truth That Sets Them Free. If you haven't read this book, I highly recommend it. Now, on this podcast episode, you're actually tuning in to part one of a two-part conversation, so make sure to tune in to the next episode so you can hear the remainder of the conversation that I have with Nancy Well, as women, most of us, or shall I say all of us, believe lies that keep us stuck in life and from living the abundant life in Christ. So on today's show and on next week's episode, we're going to talk about how we find ourselves in spiritual bondage, the strategy of deception, lies we believe, and how to move from captivity to freedom. A little bit more about Nancy. Nancy has touched the lives of millions of women through Revive Our Hearts ministry in the True Woman movement, calling women to heart revival and biblical womanhood. Her love for Christ and His Word is infectious and permeates her online outreaches, conference messages, books, and two daily nationally syndicated radio programs, Revive Our Hearts and Seeking Him. She's authored 19 books, including Lies Women Believe and The Truth That Sets Them Free, seeking Him and adorned living out the beauty of the gospel together. Nancy and her husband, Robert, live in
1: Michigan. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lisa. And it's so good to make your acquaintance. And um, we've had just a little bit of conversation leading up to this uh, recording. And I sat here thinking we could be really good friends. So I love your heart and love the way the Lord's using you to speak into women's lives. It is a journey, isn't it?
0: It is a journey. And I feel the same about you. Thanks so much for taking the time. I know that you have a very full and busy schedule. And I'm certain that our listeners are familiar with your work and familiar with you and your ministry, but I'd love
1: just tell the listeners a little bit about Nancy. Oh, well, I'm actually getting close to my 60th birthday. I cannot believe that is possible. It doesn't seem possible. Um, I feel like I was just, you know, 20 just days ago. Um, But what a journey it's been. I came to know Jesus um, and to become a follower of his at the age of four, believe it or not. Wow. And that's my first conscious memory, and I've had really an incredible joy of seeing the Lord in the ups and downs and twists and turns of my life, and I have them like everyone does, Mm -hmm. Um, but just seeing Him be faithful, seeing the beauty and the power of His Word and His Spirit and His presence to meet our needs, to meet my needs. Um, I'm learning, I've been learning all these years, and I'm still learning to trust God to write my story. And um, you just said um, my name, Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth. That <laughs> Walgamuth part is fairly new. And some of your listeners will know this. But I was, uh, I had never married until the age of 57. Didn't think that was what the Lord had in store for me. And I was um, joyfully and contentedly serving Him in that single season of my life. And then Robert Walgamuth stepped into my life. I actually had known him for a number of years. I had known his wife. Um, and after 40-some years of marriage, um, Bobby Wagamouth went to heaven. She had cancer for two and a half years, and the Lord took her home. And shortly after her, not too long after her home going, uh, Robert and I reconnected, and the Lord began to intertwine our lives. And and so at age 57, two and a half years ago, I said, I do wow. uh, to this man. And uh, so, you know, I've had the journey on both sides of the single and marriage divide, um, but also just uh, the opportunity to um, be coming to be involved in women's ministry. Um, some of your listeners will remember Elizabeth Elliot, who has been with the Lord now in just about three years, but she had a really amazing writing ministry and um, radio ministry called Gateway to Joy for many years. I meet a lot of women to this day who say they kind of grew up on Elizabeth Elliott spiritually, that she was kind of a spiritual mom to them. And when she retired from doing daily radio, um, long story short, Revive Our Hearts was born as wow. a successor to her ministry, and um, she had huge Steps, huge, huge footsteps that I knew I could not fill them. Um, but I just, you know, said, "Lord, I'm who you made me to be, and I just want to serve you faithfully." So we have a daily um, podcast and radio broadcast uh, for women called "Revive Our Hearts," and our mission, similar to what you're doing, Lisa, is calling women to experience freedom yeah. and fullness and fruitfulness hmm. in Christ. So it's not like I have this down and I'm you know, giving this to women who need it. We all need it and I need it. And so out of my own journey, out of my own walk with the Lord and now my walk as a missus, um, I'm just, just trying to share what I'm learning as a traveler, a pilgrim, uh, about how to experience freedom in Christ, which is the only place we can get true freedom. Hmm. And not just to be free, but to be full and to have a, um, not just to be surviving, but thriving in Christ and then to be fruitful because getting that freedom and that fullness is not just for us to keep and enjoy for ourselves, but it's for us to be investing in the lives of others as, as you're doing, um, there through your, um, your, uh, podcast and the ministry there at Park Community Church and, um, and as, you know, we're both doing a lot of ways is to, we want to multiply. We want to, share the truth that sets people free with women who may not be experiencing that in some area of their lives. So um, I'm on a daily journey hmm. with the Lord and just trying to serve Him and others out of that journey. Right, right.
0: And uh, I, I did the thing that's going through my head is I want to be like you when I grow up.
1: <laughs> oh, listen, uh, you're so sweet. And you know what? We, It's what a joy it is to have women in our lives. In fact, you told me a little bit about a few minutes ago about how you came to know jesus and it was really through a co-worker who told you you know shared the gospel with you and then an older woman like more your mother's age who was kind of a spiritual mother and i loved hearing that story because mm-hmm. we all need spiritual mothers spiritual sisters and spiritual daughters uh to be you know iron sharpening iron uh speaking into each other's lives and so you and I have just known each other a short time but already we're encouraging each other and that's what sisters are for that's what uh, you know now we're older women like it or not and uh, (laughs) well we're younger women to some but we're older women to others and so it's um it's it's such it's a neat thing to be able to have women in our lives that we say You know, I have an assistant whose name is Sandy. She's, um, she's, well, she's about 50 Mm -hmm. and she is never married, but she has served with our ministry for about 15 years. And she is the most, um, she's an administrative, like a wonder. She's amazing. And she keeps my life way (laughs) more ordered than I ever could, but she is a radiant Christ filled, um, joyful, not without challenges like we all have. Um, She lost her dad when she was eight. Her mom died not many years ago. And she's had some hard things in her life. But she knows how to get to Christ. And she's so filled with grace. And I look at her and I say, I want to be like Sandy. Sandy. When yeah. I grow up, yeah, she's younger. She works, you know, she works for me, but I want to work for her. Um, so this is the joy of being women together in the body of Christ: is growing together, learning from each other, helping each other, and uh, urge, you know, stimulating one another, as Hebrew says, to love and good deeds.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, and it's just a really good reminder that our our faith is not meant to just be contained; it's something that we share with others, and you know, as we live out of it, we we do take a stand for our other sisters in Christ and really helping them to to grow as well and and make a contribution. Well, the the book that you just re-released, Lies Women Believe in the Truth That Sets Them Free, I think it first released in 2001, right? Exactly, yes. And so you've since released the updated and expanded version, which I had read this book Gosh, probably 15 years ago, and so I was so excited when uh, Janice had sent me this updated version, and it's probably just if, if not more highlighted than the first. But share <laughs> share with our listeners. So you've written 19 books. Share with our listeners what prompted you to write this book, Lies Women Believe in the Truth That Sets Them Free.
1: Well, I've been involved in ministering to women for um, you know since I was. In my teens, actually, and in, in my twenties, began to get into that full time, and um, I, I would just listen to women share their heart. Of course, I'm a woman myself, so I was experiencing my own challenges and um, temptations, and struggles and burdens, and <clears throat> at different seasons. But then I would listen to women just share what they were going through, what um, in different seasons of life, and um, finding that so many women in the Christian space were, uh, you know, we. Jesus said, I came that they might have life, that they might have it abundantly. We know that's what the Christian life is supposed to be. But I found that so many of us at different times were not experiencing that, that we were more you know, harried and hassled and overwhelmed and overworked and exhausted and um, sometimes discouraged or depressed or fearful or anxious or I mean, you could use a ton of words and sometimes mildly so and sometimes you know even in life-threatening situations where women were um, being tempted to take their own life. I mean, getting to that point of despair. And I would look at this and I'd say, you know, why aren't we experiencing more? Of the freedom and the joy and the abundance that Jesus said He came to give us, and and when you're a Christian, you're not supposed to admit that, supposedly, right? Um, But it's true, and we all know it's true. So you know, and I as I would just kind of plumb this the depths of Scripture, trying to get really um, helpful wisdom for myself and for the lives of other women I was doing life with and uh, ministering to. It it began to dawn on me that um, if you go back, that, you know, this is not new. These things are not new. These challenges are not new. If you go back to Genesis Hmm. chapter three, you see that so many of the issues we struggle with in the human race in general and as women in particular had their origin back in Genesis chapter three, where here is Eve, the first woman. She's in this new marriage. She has a beautiful environment. There are no no tax problems, no financial (laughs) problems, no environmental problems, no in-law problems. (laughs) Uh, She's got this ideal environment. And yet into that environment comes this... Um, winsome, beautiful serpent, how a serpent could be winsome and beautiful. I don't know. They apparently didn't look like they do today. day or that one didn't, uh, but the, the, the devil incarnated as a serpent mm. steps into her life. Her husband's with her at the moment. The scripture seems to indicate but the serpent Satan peels her off, mm. starts up a conversation with her, doesn't include her husband and basically causes her, plants a seed of doubt, about God's word and about the truth of what God has said. He lies to her. And she, Mm -hmm. you know, he says, you know, I mean, we all know about the fruit. She wasn't supposed to eat it. And Satan convinces her, well, what God said, first of all, God's not telling the truth. God's trying to keep something good from you. There's something you need, something you want that he's depriving you of. And you can have it your way. Mm -hmm. And if you do it your way instead of God's way, you won't die, as God said she would, Right. you will in fact be happier. You'll have more blessings. You'll, you'll have a good life. You'll be more blessed. You'll be like God. Anyway, he tells her a series of lies. Mm. She listens to his lie. She believes the lie. She acts on the lie. And ultimately she falls into the, and the whole human race. I mean, her husband goes with her, um, her children go with them. And, um, the whole human race race is plunged into, the fall, the brokenness of humanity, the pain, the woundedness, the sinfulness, the, um, the and not what God intended at all. And as I've kind of pondered that account many times over the years, I've, I've come to believe that almost every struggle we have in the human race, whether it's in our own personal lives, our homes, our churches, our neighborhood, our workplace, or our nation, or our world, um, whether it's the micro or the macro, I think it all goes back to lies that we've believed, things that aren't true, that once we've pondered them and acted on them, send our lives into a direction that God never intended that they should. Right. And that if we want to be rescued from the consequences of those lies, we have to identify what the lies are. And then counter those lies with the truth. And Jesus said, it's the truth that will set you free. So the most important um, part of the title of this book is not the main title, Lies Women Believe. Mm -hmm. The most important part is the subtitle, which says, and the truth that sets them free. So it was really just my journey personally and with other women that led me to say, okay, what are some of the lies we believed? How have they impacted our lives? And how can we walk out of the lies into truth and therefore into freedom.
0: Right. Which, and I want to talk about this um, a little bit too in a handful of minutes, that we have to even realize we're believing a lie in the first place because often we don't even, we are not even aware present to that, wow, what I'm actually believing right now is not true.
1: Well, I've heard that someone uh, you're absolutely right. And, uh, the table of contents of this book outlines or lists 45 lies in eight different categories or nine different categories, um, lies we believe about God, about ourselves, about sin, et cetera. And I've had women over the years say, when I first looked at that table of contents, skimmed those lies, I said, that's not me. Hmm. I don't believe these lies. And I think they don't consciously, I think many times we don't consciously believe or realize that what we're believing, in fact, is something that's not true. But it's interesting that as these women have gotten into the book, their eyes get open and they go, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I really have been believing lies. I've been deceived in ways I didn't realize. So these are not, this book is not exhausted by any means. There are endless lies um, that the devil takes tells us. And if we reject all those, then he makes up some more probably. Right. Um, but the the point is to get us to start thinking about whether what we're, what's at the core of our thought processes and our emotions and our behavior are we acting living thinking feeling based on what is true or based on what is not true and that honest evaluation will sometimes it can be awakening like a jolt like oh wow i have been believing things that aren't true and now i can see that some of the consequences in my life or some of the that some of the pain some of the struggle i have in my life sometimes is the consequence of myself or others acting in ways that are not rooted in truth, but in deception. Right. And in the introduction of your book, you say that many
0: women are in what you call spiritual bondage. And then you go on to name a few examples, living under guilt and condemnation, fear of man, food. So describe for our listeners who may not be familiar with what spiritual bondage means.
1: Well, Jesus said um, that he came to set us free. Um, he's, he talks in First John about being set free from the, the captivity to Satan, from bondage to darkness. Salvation brings us from darkness to light. I mean, you have this metaphor throughout Scripture that to be in Christ is to be set free from the curse of the law, from the bondage of a law we could not keep, from our sinfulness, from ourselves, from the lies of Satan. And so if Jesus came to give us freedom— then the devil, who Jesus says repeatedly in Scripture, is a liar, hmm. he lies, he deceives, his goal is to make us not free, to put us in captivity, to um, imprison us. Um, you know, there. Uh, those are synonyms we could use. And to say, for example, if there is an addiction, um, an unhealthy addiction, a substance addiction, a sex addiction, a, a sin addiction, habit pattern in my life that I can't get victory over, mm-hmm. then I'm not free. Mm-hmm. I'm, a yeah. I'm a slave. If I'm if, a slave, if I'm like my emotions and my thinking are uh, controlled by my circumstances or the person I work for or the behavior of my mate or my son or daughter or my roommate, um, if then I'm not free. Um, if I, every time I look in the mirror, I go, I can't stand what I see. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, there's, there's self-loathing Then I'm not free to enjoy and to celebrate the woman God created me to be. And so there are many areas of our lives and we, you know, I kind of try and unpack some of these, um, if I'm living in perpetual woundedness over things that happened in my past maybe things over which I had no control or things for which I wasn't Responsible, but I'm still living in the chains of what somebody else did to me. We're in this whole, you know, Me Too movement. And this is serious stuff. Mm. This is painful stuff. We live in a world of wounded people who are wounding other people. And we've got people listening right now who have had horrific things Mm. done to them or they've experienced deeply painful loss. But um, if those things begin to control, my life, my responses, my reactions, my emotions over an extended period of time, then I'm not free. And the scripture, you know, I may not be able to control my circumstances, but by God's grace, as I anchor my life in the truth, I can control how those circumstances affect me. Right. I can control how I respond to them. I can control that I don't have to be like this prisoner of my past. It may be my own sin. And I know a lot of women living with just... Um, you know, like guilt, a blanket of guilt and shame that won't go away. And they're saying, look, it wasn't something somebody else did to I me. Mean, it's something I did. Right. I made stupid choices. I made foolish choices, and I wrecked my life. I wrecked my marriage. I wrecked my kids' lives, whatever. Um, I took the life of that unborn child or those unborn children, and how could I ever, you know, get I, I can't forgive myself is what we sometimes hear, uh, something which, by the way, Scripture doesn't ever tell us mm-hmm. we should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are areas of bondage, and it can be little things. It can be big things. It can be, um, for me, food has been a huge issue in my life, and it can be um, the, the the inability to walk into the kitchen or to see a commercial about whatever, you know, you're food of choices, right? It, and say, it's calling my name, and I can't <sighs> stop, then I'm not free. I'm in bondage, mm. and the point of this message is to say, you don't have to be in bondage. You can be free. That doesn't mean you or I will have a perfect life. We don't. We still fail. We still blow it, but I, it's, it's a paradigm that helps me to be able to identify in my life, okay, when I've got this, like, Gnawing sadness um, that just won't, you know, it's like a coat and I can't take it off. I don't, I, it helps me to begin to think through okay, what am I believing? Am I believing my husband is the one who's supposed to make me happy? Hmm. Um, or am I believing that if I had a husband, I wouldn't be going, I wouldn't have these kinds of feelings? Or if I had a different husband, I would be, you know, what am I believing that is not true, but I'm, letting it control my emotions and my reactions and my responses. Right. Right. And those are all great
0: examples. I'm thinking one personal example for me that maybe flies under the radar for, for us as far as spiritual bondage is I, I have been in spiritual bondage of bitterness and resentment and anger. And that, that's like, a huge one. It's oh huge girl, one. let me just tell you, and you cannot contain that it leaks all over the place. And I, I, have unfortunately not loved people well in the process. And, you know, God has just brought me to a place of confession and repentance and like really realizing my brokenness in that and be like wow it's so far from who he created me to be yeah. but I, I got in my own spiritual bondage so I think yeah. sometimes we think about sexual and food and so forth but the attitude of the heart the bitterness the resentment like what what are those areas that we may be in bondage to
1: as well and that, that is a huge prison and what we tell ourselves is I wouldn't be experiencing this if so-and-so hadn't done such-and-such. Such. Mm. Uh, so if this person had treated me differently, because bitterness usually relates to either a person or a circumstance that has wounded us. right? And that happens if yes. we live in a broken world, and broken people break other people, you know? Um, and so we we nurse and hold on to the, the resentment, the bitterness, the anger, thinking that if... If this person or this circumstance hadn't happened, or if it would change, then I could be free from this. Well, they may never change. Yeah. That circumstance may never change. That person, that person who wounded you, may be dead now, hmm. and there may not be any opportunity for it to change. That parent who left you, that um, that coworker in a ministry who wounded you—I mean, this can happen in all sorts of ways. Um, but to hold, the freedom will come. As we start speaking truth to ourselves and realizing that I'm not bitter because so-and-so did such-and-such to me or such-and-such happened to me, I'm bitter because, okay, hold on, this is hard, but because I have been refusing to forgive as Christ has forgiven me. Okay, the the first way of thinking when I'm believing the lie, it puts the responsibility on somebody else. Hmm. Or something else. But when I start to counsel my heart according to the truth, that sounds like a new burden to be born. Because I'm saying, okay, now you're telling me I'm responsible for this? Well, not until I accept, I'm not responsible for what they did. But I am responsible for my response to what they did or what happened. And once I begin to accept that and say, you know what? I can't change what happened. But by God's grace, I can choose to release it. I can let it go. I can forgive it. I start telling myself the truth, and then acting on the truth, and I can find that I, I find that I can be free from that bitterness, that bondage, that emotional prison, even if the past cannot be changed. Right. And that is a huge burden lifted.
0: Yeah, and I think that's great. And I'd I'd love to spend a handful of minutes. And you, you've mentioned a couple of um, the progression of deception to spiritual bondage you have a progression in your book but you also before that you talk about the strategy of deception and I think it's really important for us to to understand what the strategy of deception is so that we can be more aware when it's happening
1: so what would you say it's it's, deception by its very nature is deceptive I mean you know you don't realize it at first it's convincing. It seems like it's true. So take, for example, Eve and that fruit. If if the scripture says that she looked at it and she saw that it was desirable, it was beautiful, it was a tree that, a fruit that looked like it could make you wise. I mean, it was so appealing. Think about it. If that fruit had been, you know, rotten through and through and crawling with worms and she could see that, do you think she would have taken a bite of it? No. (laughs) No way. She would have gone you know, to hell with you, Satan. <laughs> um, and uh, she she wouldn't have believed him. Mm. But the fact is he he painted it. This is something beautiful. And if she, and she would eat this, something good would happen to her. So the nature of deception is that something is told to us or we see something and we see this in, you know, in magazines and music and pop culture and things other people say to us in just Things our own minds tell us, um, or I mean, we just—we're. This world is surround surrounds us with deception. The the flesh, the world, the devil. They, it's, it, there's a lot of lies being told, and so when I see these things, I need to start evaluating and asking myself: Is this really true? Yeah. Is this based on God's word? Hmm. Um, that's why we have to be women of the word. Amen. We have to know God's word. And you told me uh, in an earlier conversation that your big thing in women's ministry is biblical literacy. Amen. That is so huge, Lisa, because if we just know what others have told us, we're not gonna be equipped. No. We're not gonna have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to mm-hmm. help us do battle against the lies. And so when I see a magazine at the checkout counter in the supermarket that says, gain 47 pounds, I mean, lost 47 pounds, no effort, no sweat, no diet, no exercise. Okay. You know, I can look at that and say, that's a lie. Right. Uh, But I get these ads coming across my, um, you know, on my phone and my um, screen, um, constantly promising me, things that look like, wow, I'd love to have that. Mm -hmm. This will make you more something. This will make you less something. And I'm going, I need this. I I I can be a sucker for those ads, those commercials. And, but I got to ask, stop and ask myself, evaluate, is this true? Is, am I looking for a shortcut to personal discipline? Am I looking for, now I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't resources and things that can help us Um, You know, I'm, you know, like makeup can be a good thing Mm. and there are pills and potions and medicines and vitamins and things that really can help us. So I'm not saying none of those things the world offers can be valuable to us, but am I expecting this person or this product or this place or this change in my circumstances to do something for me or in me or to me? They can't do. Right. They're over-promising and under-committing. Am I believing that if this or that were changed or were different, that I would have joy? It's not true because joy is not found in a person or a thing or a place or a change in my circumstances. So it's just always asking myself, holding what I'm hearing, holding what I'm thinking up to the scripture and saying, is this true right right is it true yeah and if not why am I believing it well,
0: and in, in interrupting our thoughts long enough, because sometimes we're just like on autopilot. So it's just, Helping. right, stop long yeah. enough to evaluate what's happening. And, exactly. you know, what what is this message? This is what you say in your book. What's the message here? And the next step is, is this really true, as you've been saying? And then asking ourselves, am I being deceived by a way of thinking that is contrary to God's word? And which, again, inherently, as you mentioned earlier, means that we're spending significant time knowing God and his word so that we can discern these things. Okay. Cliffhanger moment, gals. That is the end of part one of my conversation with Nancy. You'll have to tune in to the next episode to hear how we finish off. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Here's to playing full out and living fully into who you were created to be. And we'll see you next time.